We're going to read a portion of Acts chapter 6 and a portion of 7, but I'm going to encourage you, and I want you to do this to get the full understanding. This week I want you to read Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 is what you should read. I'm going to, I'm going to only read a portion of 7 because it's quite long, but break it down. Read Read a portion in the morning, then if you want, read a portion at night. It's great if you read it straight through, but Acts chapter 7, I want you to spend time this week going through Acts chapter 7, because I'm, on, I'm not going to read it all, but this is where I'm going to be dealing, dealing with today. There's a person a couple of weeks ago that I mentioned that accepted the Lord about a week and a half ago, and he's here today. I want Kenny to stand up. He came to the noon prayer sitting right over there, <laughs> and gave his heart to the Lord that day. And has been coming to new prayers. Says, and last week, he said, I had to go to my mom's church. He said when he told his mother that he gave his heart to the Lord, she was beside herself. <laughs> been praying for her son for a long time. And she, the family was glad to have Kenny. And if you know his background, it's incredible. So we thank God for Brother Kenny. He said he wants to be a part of this ministry Amen. and this church. His wife is Melissa. But I just want to give you just about 30 seconds just to say hello to everybody, Kenny. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We're going to hug him in, if not today, next week. But we're going to hug Brother Ken in. Lord, we thank you today for the memorization of Scripture for those who participating, hiding the Word of God in their heart. Today we pray that the Word of God will quicken us and will help us to live a life that honors and magnifies and glorifies you. We do thank you for this awesome day and this ministry. We see that you're doing a work, Lord. We see that you are moving. We know the enemy is busy. We know the enemy. We know his tactics, Lord. We know that he hates everything about Christ, but the Bible says, greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. And today we pray that you will help us to live a life that is pleasing to you, totally dedicated to the awesome and powerful God. Thank you for ministry, Lord. We thank you that the works that we do for Christ, once we become Christians, the works that we then do, Lord, will count towards our reward. And we thank you for loving us and blessing us. Anoint your servant today. Anoint the hearers today. Thank you for the fellowship of believers. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. It is so important. And as we've been studying in Sunday school, Lord, how it's important that the body be edified. We love you today and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat if you would. Turn your Bibles to chapter Acts chapter 6, verses 9 through 15, and then I'm going to skip over to chapter 7. Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. I just want to kind of read it for the context and then move on. Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse 9. I'll be reading from the NIV. It says, Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria. 
as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stops. This fellow never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these charges true? Turn to verse 51, still in chapter 7. Acts 7, beginning at verse 51 through 60. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. And you have received, excuse me, you who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. When they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. I wasn't going to read this. Let me just read this. And Saul approved of their killing him. As a title, if you're writing this down, please write it down if you would. The tables stacked against Stephen. The tables stacked against Stephen. Stephen, you can pretty, you can be pretty sure that things are not going to go the best when false witnesses have come out against you, and when the religious leaders, who don't like you anyway, are presiding over the hearings. Well, this is where Stephen has found himself or finds himself. One might decide to plead the fifth. Does anyone know what the fifth is? I plead the fifth. Some of y'all been to court. I plead the fifth. (laughs) And not say anything, but Stephen does something quite interesting. He decides to go for the juggler. 
he tells those that he is standing before that their great, great granddaddies, their granddaddies and daddies and their ancestors were a bunch of stiff-necked, murdering people. Well, that sealed Stephen's fate. <laughs> but it was still the truth. We're going to deal with only point one that I have, and that is a call to remember. A call to remember. Stephen, when asked by the high priest if the charges brought against him were true, did not even answer the question, but began to preach to them and chose to talk about three primary figures. Abraham, Joseph, and Moses. In this discourse, he also mentioned two others, David and Solomon. But he began to recount the history to them when he was asked by the high priest, who may have been Caiaphas at this time, is believed, are these charges true? Caiaphas knew these charges weren't true. They were trumped up charges. Now, some of y'all, when y'all standing before the court, say, these charges are trumped up charges. Now, they may or not, may not be in your case. But you understand when you say that charges are trumped up, what's being said. These charges are said. They made up. They ain't true. And Stephen could have said, these are not true, but he doesn't do it. You see, the Jewish people loved their rich history. But they hated the prophets that God sent to correct them and even murdered many of them. Moses was a central figure in the Jewish person's life. And as Stephen is recounting the history of the Jewish nation to the Sanhedrin, I can almost see them smirking with glee as they say, yeah, that is our history. That is... <laughs> Our heritage. We come from a rich heritage. Yeah, have, have, you, have you ever been a, a person that's kind of been proud when you got somebody, you got somebody famous in your family? And you kind of, you know, talk about that famous person. I, I belong to such and such a family. And I belong to such and such a group. That person is my family member. And you began to say, oh, you began to think, ah, oh, the importance of being connected to that individual. And you take pride in knowing that a person that's famous is a part of your family. Well, the Jewish nation had a rich history because they came through the promise that God gave to Abraham. You see, Abraham was a person, whether you know it or not, in his family, that were idol worshippers initially. Did you know that Abraham was an idol worshiper? The great father, our great father Abraham. And the Lord said to him, I want you to remove yourself from your family and your father's house. Abraham didn't respond right away. He stayed there for a while until his father died. Then he left. But the Lord called Abraham from Ur of the Chaldees. He called him. And Stephen 
when you read 7, you will see that he begins to recount to them their history to which they were very proud. So when he began to talk, I imagine that he had their full attention. You see, when a person begins to tell you, if you think about it, if you didn't know much about your family history, and a person from back east or wherever it was down south began to say, oh, I knew your great, great, great grandmama. Let me tell you about your family. Your ears, you, you probably pull up a chair and let me sit down. And you would listen probably for hours as they recounted. And you would have questions. You would be proud. Oh, I come from this. And, oh, yeah, your family was something else. And there would be prides. Well, this is what it was like for the Sanhedrin as they came from this rich heritage. But you see, they missed the central point and the central relationship to which God had called them. And they got wrapped so much up in who they were connected to that they missed the fact that God had called them to a relationship. And as Stephen began to recount to them their history, I can imagine that they're listening and just Gleeful in that sense, even though they brought him in and they were upset. But as he began, I imagine they began to be puffed up in their heart. Stephen's recounting of their history was to talk about Abraham, Joseph, and Moses. And end there as if God's seal of approval rested upon them. So when he got through, they're thinking, ah, what, how wonderful. But they missed the central person to whom all those people were connected. God was, beginning, God was showing that my seal of approval is not necessarily on them. Yes, I bless them, but my seal of approval is on Jesus Christ. Do you not know that today there is so much problems and controversies and issues related to Jesus? People basically lose their mind when the name of Jesus is mentioned. And you would think somehow that the religious leaders who were looking for the Messiah, would say, oh, well, the, that the Christ, the Messiah, is coming through our lineage, they would be happy. But they're angry. Because they really didn't understand what God was doing through history. Was bringing them through and bringing them to a place where they would be his own people to bring people in the world from all over to himself. Wanted to use them. And yet they got stuck and says, we are so special. Their ancestors killed the prophets. The very ones that God sent to them, they killed. We don't like what they got to say. We don't like them. We don't like what they're saying. They're messing up our plan. And so, Bible says... Some of them they kill. Some of them they beat up. Others they even stoned because they didn't understand who God really is and what God was really doing. You see, when you misinterpret what God is doing, you'll come to the wrong conclusion. You will make the wrong decision. And you might not even realize. You may think you're doing something good 
and okay. But let me say this. Stephen, who was one of the first deacons that we saw last week of the seven chosen, as we talked about the first problem in the church, what was the first problem the church dealt with last week, we said? Yeah, but what was the problem that we said? The food. The first problem that came up in the church was around food. Distribution of goods. It wasn't about that, that doctrine. It was about our widows ain't being taken care of. Material things, not spiritual things. We are so wrapped up in this material. Our spiritual lives are just suffering, but the material we're running after as if it's going to last. That's where the religious leaders were. They were materialistic. Out there on Sunday morning, I clean my car. I got to go to the casino. They got a new one in Rona Park. Can't go to church today. I've got to go lose some money. And let don't let us win five hundred dollars. The Lord has blessed me. <laughs> I, I've never been much of a casino guy. I just you know, I've gone I've gone to a casino to a casino one time a couple times. I was on the, I was on a ship. Went on a cruise. Never been. To, and so I decided, I've never played on a machine. And so I went to the casino and had a bunch of pennies. I'm a big spender casino, y'all see here. And I'm sitting there pulling the lever. And the thing's making noise. That's part of the psychological makeup of casinos. To keep you right there. Oh! Fifteen cents can only put some more in here. God convicted that I can't I can't do that. I, I I hadn't I hadn't been. Then took a group of grandparents when we would go to Tahoe to to Reno. We would go to Reno. But I wouldn't put no money because the Lord had let me know. I just wanted to know what it was like. I can't gamble. That's me. I, I, I can't go to casino. That's me. But yet, materialistic things is what we're running after because that's where many people find their joy and they are committed to being satisfied physically. It could be a host of things. But when it comes to spiritual matters, the things that matter most, and the things that will last, the things that God is doing, somehow 
The enemy has tricked, and the religious leaders fell right into the trap. We've got to be so careful. The enemy is conniving, he's tricky, and, and when they're questioning Stephen, they really don't care what Stephen has to say except for their heritage. We belong to, not spiritually. They're not concerned about their spiritual well-being. And it is a sad day when the church is not concerned about their spiritual well-being. When material things gather and garner all of our attention and what God has for us, we let go. God says, what God has for me is for me. But you've got to be there to get it. You've got to go after God. You've got to pursue Him. Oh, but when we don't pursue God, I tell you, sometimes when, 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 when you just can just walk down the street, just admire the beauty of God's glory, the creation, the Lord, look at what the Lord has done. Look at what God has made. And the Lord has said, you can enjoy. I am so tired of people saying, don't eat this, don't eat that, don't eat this, go vegetarian. No, I want some meat. God told Eve, Adam and Eve, one thing you cannot eat from. Enjoy this world I made. Stay off this piece of dirt. Stay off that. So they, the government, the federal government, know what they do? They say this is protected land. You can't walk on it. We have it for the birds. We have it for the crickets. We got it for the special toad. What nonsense! God says, I made the world for people. So people trying to preserve something that God's going to destroy. But yet their spiritual life, oh, I don't need Jesus. I don't need the Word of God. I'm doing quite fine all by myself. And so where the religious leaders should have been the very ones carrying forth the Word of God, what are they doing? They're sitting up in their council. As if they're judge. And Stephen brings a message to them that's powerful. Yesterday, I'm down at a meeting. And near the end of the meeting, it was a good breakfast too. But near the end of that presentation, I'm glad I went. But there was a couple guys I was sitting and talking to at the end. And something came up in the conversation that was so fascinating. I said, what? I hadn't heard. So I went home and did some research. And I was studying my message. I, oh, this ties into this. Into this. Now, some of you may have seen this or heard about this. Back in 1999 and then 2009, there was something, a, a show that, the, that CBS did that were called Juvenile Delinquents. They did a follow-up in 2009, but the Juvenile Delinquents wasn't talking about teenagers. People even dealing with elephants. There were these elephants that had were in this area, I believe it may have been South Af South Africa, and the area where they were, there was just so many that they were over in the land. They had to relocate them. But back at that time, they didn't have the moles to transport the huge elephants. 
So they thought the one doctor who was going over the, the elephants and overseeing them and thought, what we'll do, we need to kill the adult males and then relocate the juvenile or the babies and they can grow. We know that they may mourn, they may be sad, but that'll be okay, but we have to do something. So they made the decision to kill the adults. They took the young and they moved them to this reserve in South Africa. When they transported them there and they began to grow, they were also at that time taking care of and preserving rhinoceroses. And these white rhinoceros that they were cared for, they started coming up dead. They were going, what's going on? So most people that are killing rhinoceros or a, a rhino or an elephant, they want the tusks. Big money. But the tusks weren't missing. So they said, something else is going on. So they started doing detective work, work and come to then follow the elephants and come to realize that the elephants were killing the rhinos, something that they normally wouldn't do. And it was these delinquent elephants that they had moved from this area over here. And what they realized and come to realize is that these males were out of control. They come to see also that, ah, they had a lot of high testosterone, and many of them were wanting to mate too early. They said, what are we going to do? They said, what we need to do is bring in some role models. Kill the parents. So they brought in bigger elephants. Where they call elephants that are big, the adults are called bulls brought them in, and they began to set discipline and order for those younger ones. They began to correct them, stop them from mating too soon. The rhinos that were being killed, that all died off. And those big bulls set order for the young ones. And the Lord said something to me. These men... The Sanhedrin were the ancestors of those that hated Jesus. And all of their parents were teaching and training their children to hate. It carried right on down until those kids killed the king of the universe, Jesus himself. And Stephen has pointed out to them and says, You stiff-necked people, you're just like your ancestors killing off the prophets, and now you've killed the king of kings. Because that's how they were raised and trained. God has an order in place, and what they thought, even in the elephant kingdom, that they could kill this, they didn't know the balance. They didn't know what God had already put in place. This is not no cosmic error. We're not here by accident. Things just don't happen by chance. This is God's world. And God has created order. And when we go against the rule of God, you will have chaos. I don't care how great the programs are today. And there are some good ones. The bottom line is that the home is not what God has called it to be. We may not like to hear, but that's where the problem begins. 
Oh, God can help us. God blesses. God directs. We can. But the issue is that oftentimes that's the issue where it begins. And when the fathers are not there, and you hear the women live say, we don't need no men in our lives to help raise our children. That's the order that God has set. And so today we got a bunch of out of control kids running wild. Mama, as wonderful as she is, thank God for mothers. Can you imagine what this world would be if the mothers forsook their responsibility? But God, in his providence, says that a man should leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. God has so set the order that... (laughs) The children that come up in the household need both. I tell you, I did not like those words. Wait till your daddy get home. I didn't like those words because I knew it meant trouble. Get a little warm in here. (laughs) Now I understand, I understand that sometimes things happen. Because in our nature, there's sin. But here's the great thing about God. He can take past pains and turn it all around. He can take things to where it could be 30, 40 years and then change. Everything in the matter of... I wish I could have gone back and done some things different when I was a father. God has a way of just being able to correct some things. When you serve Him and love Him, say, Lord, i got to put this in your hand. God can do some incredible... That's just what God does. He can clean up some stuff, but you got to give it to Him. And Stephen got these men so upset when he said, you're bunches. You know, those were incendiary words that he said at the end. One might think, okay, now, I've given you the word, now will you please let me go? He said words where he knew they would be words of possible death, and he said them anyway. You stiff, oh my goodness, stiff neck, rebellious, murderous, you, Jesus called them vipers. Ooh. Pastor, if you call them people snakes in the church. (laughs) That's what he said, and the Bible says they gnashed their teeth. They got so angry, they clenched. Now, can you imagine this? Now, they're in Palestine. They're under Roman rule. And Rome says, you got all the freedom if you want, but you can't kill nobody unless you come and get permission. No killing on your own. They got so upset, the Bible says they rushed at him. Can you imagine how many people were in the Sanhedrin? How many people made up the Sanhedrin? Seventy-one. And whoever else might have been it, because there were some false witnesses. They rushed at him, however many, grabbed him, took him outside of the city. And can you imagine when a person is angry? You ever seen those movies on Channel 271, the ID channel, when uh, um, killings of passion? When a person hates somebody, it's like they overkill. It's like, oh, my goodness. They just go to the extreme. Can you imagine rocks? And they're throwing rocks at you? Oh, that was capital punishment back then. 
It wasn't over quick. It wasn't just like take a pill, electric chair. Let me make sure you were nice and comfortable. Put the bag over your head and put this here so you don't feel any. No, capital punishment was nothing like that back then. And as Stephen is being stoned to death because of his commitment to the word of God, do you know what he said? Father, forgive them as he's dying. Us, they said this about me. Who they think they are? I'm going to get them. They told me to please be quiet. How dare they tell me to please be quiet. <laughs> Didn't even say shut up. He said, please be quiet. I'm going to get them. <laughs> I will never forgive them. <laughs> but not Stephen. Stephen said, Father, forgive them. These are the exact same words that Jesus used and said on the cross. Father, forgive them. Oh, you know, when we look at God's grace, we look at Abraham, we look at Joseph and Moses as, as he recounted that. Joseph and so many similarities to Jesus. Look at just the life and sold into slavery. And the first time that you think about it, let me just say this in passing. When Joseph's brothers were in, it was a Canaan, when they were in the land before they went to Egypt, Joseph didn't make himself known to his brothers on that first occasion. He just didn't do it. He happened to come back. You know, Jesus Christ did not display even his full power when he came the first time to earth. came here. In other words, he came as a man, fully man and fully God. He didn't come in all of his glory. The disciples saw his glory, a few of them on the Mount of Transfiguration. But when Jesus Christ comes back, everybody's going to know who he is. Everybody's going to know who Jesus is. There will be no doubt that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Those that they, that they killed physically but couldn't keep him in the grave, they're going to have to answer to. Stephen's words are going to be vindicated. And I bring this to a conclusion. When Stephen slipped up, God gave him a glimpse of glory. When he's being stoned. What brought about when he says, he looked up and said, oh, I see the Father. And I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. My goodness. Do you not know that when Jesus went, to, went back to heaven? After being in the 40 days, the Bible says that he took his seat next to the Father. And all authority in heaven and on earth was placed in his hands. But when Stephen is being martyred, the Bible says, Stephen says, I see him standing. You know when something's good sometimes, you stand upon your feet. When Jesus said that one of his servants was about to come on, he was standing, saying, come on, I'm about to bring you on home. Tell him, tell him but you're about to come on to glory. He saw Jesus standing, welcoming him into glory. Man, what kind of welcome would that be? Go back to that song. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like this? <laughs> Who would not want to serve a God like this? 
Do you not know that we've got the king of the universe, the God of all creation, the God who says, I will make a way out of no way. The Lord who said, I see what your day is going to be like. Just give me a little prayer because I got everything worked out already for you. And you said, no, no, I ain't got the time. I got to go do this. The Lord says, I got to stand back then. Go ahead. But I've already mapped it all. I'll just spend times in worship of me today. And I'll work it all out for you. That's the God that we serve, who has our best interest at heart. Now, let me say this in conclusion as we leave here. God did not say that he would keep you from dying or going through things on this earth. I don't know how you're going to leave here. I don't know how I'm going to leave here. But I do know something is. I want to leave here obeying and doing the will of God. When I was a kid, you know, before I really understood about fully, I'm thinking, oh, God, don't come back if I'm sinning. Wait a little bit until I can repent. <laughs> you know, that's how I used to, how I used to you know, think. But when we've accepted the Lord and we are living for him, now we accept the Lord and we go back and do our own thing. As if we say, oh, yes, Lord, and then just the world, can't, the world don't, can't tell a difference. There's got to be a change when you come to the Lord. So that when people look at you, say, oh, here comes Sister Barbara now. Let me go the other way. Here come praying Nancy. <laughs> so when your friends are turning to go the other way, they're looking at you a little strange. You might be doing something okay then. <laughs> but if they welcome you with open arms. You know, I, I tried to go to a few parties when I was younger. And you know what people say, Michael, what you doing here? <laughs> <sighs> what you doing here? <laughs> I had a party. You remember Baxter's? And I used to try to go there on occasion. What you doing here? <laughs> I'm just here watching. But you know, that just was not my scene. And they knew it. <laughs> There's a difference when it comes to the children of God and the world. When it comes to the religious leaders, they should have been leading people to the Lord, but they were not. They were fighting. We've got to remember this. We don't want to have the word of God say, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised people, never hearing the word of God. We don't want that to be our lot. We want to be a people that says, Lord, help me to do what the word of God says. That's what we want to be. We want to be a people that's embracing and living the word of God, doing what God says. Stand to your feet. Keep Ronnie Small in the hospital in prayer. Want him saved. Want him saved. Want him saved. He's not saved right now. He needs to be saved. We want him saved. It's a dangerous thing to come to the end of the life and you still not wanting to give your life to the Lord. It's a dangerous thing for people to be taking their last breath or whatever they may be and still saying, I'm not quite ready. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing when we look at the religious leaders who had the truth 
and will burst hell wide open. We don't want to be that kind of people. But we want to be a people that says, God, may your will be done. I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Oh, when Jesus sees you, does he see one of his children honoring, worshiping, and obeying him? Today, Lord, we pray that you will have your divine way in this place. Thank you for the word. Thank you for, Lord, your, your blessings. Thank you what you're doing and have done even through nature. Thank you for the order that you provide. Lord, we are praying today that we will run to truth. Run to learn the Word of God. Long for the Word of God. Long for God to do a work in us that changes us from the inside out. My God, my God, we love you today and praise you that we are not a people that don't have truth, but we've got the precious Word of God. Ministers and teachers that will preach and teach the Word of God in sincerity and truth, regardless of what the world might say. Thank you, Lord, today. May we be a people today that will, Lord, take in and live God's Word. Today, just for a minute, does anybody in this place have said, I have not accepted God, and I just have been playing. I want Jesus as my Savior. Today is the day. Not those who already said it. Sometimes we raise our hands, and just because it's... No, those that I want a person today who has never accepted the Lord, or maybe they've backslidden, just have not come to the Lord, or have left the Lord, rather, and just, just have not walked in the calling. Basically meant you weren't saved. So we need to be sure we say anybody in this place says, you know what? Yeah, I need to be saved. Eternity is too long to play with. Too long to play with. Lord, today as we leave this place, we pray that the conviction, the love, the kindness, the mercy... Everything of the Word of God, everything of yourself will be, Lord, our lot. We will take it in and we will live it. We pray today that you will help us as we go through this week that we will walk according to the Word. We love you. We bless you. And give God the glory and the honor. We worship you for who you are. In the name of Jesus, have your divine way. God bless you. Have a great day. Amen.